So in this episode, the dorks have just attended MEP Innovation. We had fun there all week, and it ended with an anti-keynote. That is, it ended with a giant workshop versus a single guy getting up there and talking at you. And it was wonderful. They walked us through different exercises, different arrangements that helped us understand lean principles, small batch, how waste affects the job site, and sort of did it in an entertaining and engaging way. So when we talk about the anti-keynote, we're talking about that experience and how much we enjoyed having it. And we're live. The Construction Dorks coming to you from Austin, Texas. MEP Innovations just ended. Favorite conference of the year. It's We always wrap it up with a little bit of fun time here. So I'm your host. There's no video today. Jeff Sample coming to you. I have a fantastic Dos Equis and a DPR construction glass, which we'll get to why I might have a DPR construction glass. Not plastic glass. Not plastic, <laughs> not plastic, but glass. But glass. And I'm joined by Jonathan Marsh. Jonathan, how you doing, man? Man, I'm doing really good. I'll tell you what, I was not energized coming out of that as much as I was when I got to these offices here that we're recording from and got to hear two guys really, really go at it about how technology is being used in the field. It just glue. It made me glow. But but I have to say, um, I did have a lot of energy coming out of the anti keynote. It was really really good. Um, and I am drinking um, a Mister Irish whiskey, uh, which is an Irish whiskey with an IPA finish. And um, we're we're just gonna test it real quick. Hold please. Mm -hmm. Oh, and it's actually really good. And it's 47 and still not hot. So Ooh. good whiskey. Thank you very well, much. Th there might have been some whiskey tasting going on this weekend. And that voice you hear inside of your head is the one and only Nathan Wood. Nathan, how you doing, man? No, we're not in, your, in my basement. No, we are <laughs> not, not in my basement. We are not in Nathan's basement tonight. <laughs> we're in my old stopping ground. It's, it's been a minute since I drank a beer out of a DPR mug. What, do you know what the blonde is that's on tap over there? No idea. Okay, it's a blonde though. It's very good. It's very tasty. It'll be something local here too. It'll be an Austin. It, it has to be. It's probably Austin. an Austin IPA. Austin. It's always local when it's Austin. But uh, yeah, no, loving it here in Austin. Uh, loving this, uh, this, well, new to me, DPR office. And uh, just, yeah, still feeling the high from uh, all of Char Charlie's energy and everything we learned from him. Well, yeah, we just came off the stage. Nathan and I got to do, and, and we'll edit in a little bit of recording from Charlie because we he gets to ter coin the term. The anti-keynote. That's right. Anti-keynote. Um, we'll let him describe it. We'll edit that one in for you um, so you guys can, can hear that one. But we have a couple of other special guests with us today. I'm going to start with our host. Gray, introduce oh, yourself, my well, friend. Hello there. My name is uh, Gray Childs. I, uh, I kind of help out with planning and scheduling here in uh, at DPR. And uh, proud to say that, uh, you know, long-time listener, first-time First-time guest, so excited to be on the uh, on the podcast. What are you drinking with us this well, afternoon? Well, I am also sharing a uh, a Dos Equis in a DPR glass. Clinky clink, clinky clink, clinky clink. Who wants to go next? Who's going to introduce you? To, uh... Why don't you go, Christina? <laughs> Christina, you're up. Well, the staring. Yeah. Okay. I'm Christina, visual planning specialist, obsessed with human behavior. So add a little twist on everything I do. And I just followed you guys into this room, and now we're drinking on a podcast. So excited what, to be here. What are you drinking? Uh, super simple, just whiskey on ice. 
Just whiskey on ice, huh? Just whiskey on ice. Charlie has brought you in, but you're obviously one of the the Dorkettes uh, within the group. We have quite a few, um, so we'll we'll introduce you to all of them. But how did you meet Charlie, or how how did you get into this whole world of uh, kind of play and and these lean exercises and and what we were doing? So I met Charlie and all this Lego fun stuff. I think I met him in 2018 at a Synchro Hackathon, Mm -hmm. and uh, I just talked to him for one minute and I knew it like okay we're gonna be besties forever and we have (laughs) (laughs) so whenever we have a crazy idea we just talk to each other and it's no longer crazy we just turn it into implementation and yeah that is a much smoother way to have met Charlie than the way that I met Charlie (laughs) (laughs) Uh oh Uh -oh. this is great by the way that's a much smoother 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 intro well, I, I, we have one per, more person introduced, but I can't let that go. So, Gray, yeah, you want to yeah. tell that story and put it on a podcast? Sure. So, um, at the Synchro Conference in Orlando, Florida, I believe it was 2013, 2012, 2013, um, <clears throat> I was asked to speak there, uh, and I was one of the speakers towards the end of the day from a, a company um, that I'm no longer with, but uh, we were a hoster of, of of software products and I was asked to speak and so I prepared this speech and all predicated off of this joke and so you told this joke to start everything off and then that was the punchline for every other bit of the presentation and <clears throat> I felt pretty good about this but it's the first time I told this joke first time I'd done this presentation and I told the joke and the room was completely silent, not even nervous laughter at the end of the joke. Like right now, obviously I wasn't in the room. Like, I right was, now, I was kind of like, ah. you guys are all doing just perfect. This is the kind of reaction I would have hoped to have gotten after having told that joke. Instead, it was one of those moments that if you've ever been in front of an audience that you literally have nightmares and night sweats about. Mm. And so like no crickets, Crickets would have been a preferable sound to what I had, which was the absence of sound. And so nothing, nobody's even, everybody's looking at me like, what did you just do? And there are very few times when I'm at a loss for words, but I can tell you that I was so thrown because I knew how much the punchline to that joke was mattered to everything that I did throughout the rest of the presentation. The next 30 minutes or so is a complete blur. I have no idea what I said or what happened during that time because I was so focused on what didn't go right. Why didn't that joke land? And uh, to this day, Charlie Dunn uh, immediately texts then my current boss then and goes, where did you find this joker? Except the funny part of that is, is there was no time that I even seemed like a joker at all during that entire, entire thing. So... And ironically, out of that conference that I know of, I am really close with three of the people who are in attendance at that conference now. They were in like, that room. They were in that room. I'm Where three you of them. Three of them, like <laughs> two of them, Charlie and Jacob, like Jacob Skabarczyk, uh, BDC mm-hmm. uh, here in here at DPR. We started on the same day. We're as tight as tight can be, literally sitting in this very room yesterday talking about visual planning, talking about how to advance the ball. We talked constantly, Charlie and I talked constantly, and there's a third guy um, who used to be with DPR, he's no longer with DPR, but we talk all the time. In fact, he's in Dallas right now. If I were there, I'd be seeing him. But uh, just a small world. So with that, turn it over to another DPR 
Yeah, so the, hi all. Um, my name's Tom. Last name's Arigo. Uh, or like we like to say down south, there you go. Um, there you go. There you go. And so uh, I'm senior superintendent in DPR um, and uh, lean practitioner for, gosh, probably 15 years now. Um, just real passionate about it. Excited that Charlie invited me up here at kind of last minute to help facilitate. Uh, he and I have been working, uh, tweaking this presentation probably since 2017. Um, went really well today, excited about it, and saw a lot of uh, aha moments, as we like to call them, uh, out, of the, out of the folks that attended. So uh, happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Tom, thanks. Man. And uh, I've what got, you got to share what I'm drinking. Uh, so uh, my new nickname is Tito Tom, because I know he knows. <laughs> and, uh, there you go, Tito. There you go, Tito. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Well, everybody that was here and that's sitting around this table actually played a role. Jonathan was picked out to be put on a table, but actually jumped in, started moving things around. So I think this is pretty much like most of the supporting cast for today. And I think I'm the only one, though, that hasn't been through this before. So this is my first exposure to this event. And I have to say the takeaway at the end that I really had from Charlie, I thought that was the best for me, was really that idea of doing before you teach. Give some context to lessons that you are going to teach these people. Because so often we go in, you know, we fire hose them with information. I blame myself. I talk all the time and I do that. But we don't give that context that comes when you do. And he stood up in front of everybody at the end and he really wanted to drive that home. We want to start taking all these people and we want to start doing first, then teaching after. This gives context to everything you're going to do. And it's great to have those aha and surprise moments in you know, I got to say, you guys were able to do that throughout the whole thing. I was going, oh, that's what you're trying to do. Oh, that's what you're trying to do. I actually messed up two of the exercises because I was trying to figure out what you were trying to teach me by the exercise, and I was not concentrating <laughs> on competing in the exercise. Sure. In fact, I was, I was somewhat saying, how are they trying to trick me this time? You know? Mm -hmm. And you did a great job of tricking people into learning, of trying to... So, you know, Jeff, you've done this a couple times with them. Mm -hmm. could, could you guys, like, who would be the best person to kind of take our listeners through what that exercise was? You want to do that for us? Sure. So Tito? which exercise? Yeah, Tito. So which exercise do you want to start with? You know what? Um, this is Tito Tom speak coming at you right away. <laughs> we, 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 can, we can go in order. We'll go with the numbers game. I first. think we should go in order. We have yeah, time to go in order. Let's the numbers game was interesting. Yeah. All right. That one. Um, well, can are we going to give away too much? By I think we everybody? might give away too much. I, I don't know. I think That's we might be giving away too much. Well, and you really had to be there. Yes. Well, you so really should do it before you you teach so, it, too. Yes. So what, what are you supposed to learn so, from it? So yes. what, what, what it is, what it is yeah. at the end of the day the is, is, is it's got a bunch of garbled numbers all over a piece of paper. And we have multiple pieces of paper, but there's different um, uh, steps. So you'll, you'll take the first sheet out. We all go for 20 seconds, and we're trying to check off all the numbers that we can find on the page. And what we're trying to demonstrate is the five S, right? The sorts and 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 uh, gosh, I hey, get, yeah, good luck. Yeah, hey man, this is the dorks. You don't have to explain your acronym. That's, yeah, that's right. why we started. Right. This. We you. said this will be a show where yes. you don't have to explain your ac or your acronym. Perfect. Go for it. Well, that helps. Look up five S. Look up five S. <laughs> yes. 
Um, but that's what the point of the exercise is. And, Be sure and, and click the button below this podcast, and we'll have a link. And we'll, <laughs> yes. <laughs> sure. hey, smash, he's, smash DPR has just volunteered to publish this. This is Gray going, oh, wait, you got, you're giving us jobs, man. This is a construction dorks. So we don't I'll, have jobs. I'll, I'll, I'll paste oh, it into okay. the comments. It's okay. really simple. There'll be a comment from Gray on the podcast. There'll be a link, link to, to the 5S. Smash that like button. Let us know you like it. But, but the idea, it really is, is that when we sort things, when we organize, when we, when we uh, have designated locations where you're going to get a tool or where your material is staged on a project, that there's an efficiency to be gained by that. Uh, I can't tell you how many jobs I've been on where you'll see guys walk up and down the stairs three and four times looking for the Sawzall or where's the gang box at and so forth. And there's so much waste to that process. And so if you can start incorporating some of those... Um, uh, themes behind 5S of organizing and sorting and what have you, it's going to make things more efficient. Yeah. You yeah. know what I think is interesting about what you said is we didn't make things more efficient by changing the environment. We did it by adding things. You know, we added this, we added lines, we added organization, we added pattern. You know, and, and that idea of going into this chaos and trying to pick everything up and move it around and make it right, it's very difficult. But adding is easy, right? So, so it was a, it was a take. What do you think about that? Oh, I think, that, I think that's I think that's really good. I think you're also missing one key point that you're supposed to take away from that exercise, and that is help out your fellow man. So when someone recognizes there's pattern recognition, when somebody realizes there's organization, help your fellow man understand that piece or woman. Help them understand that piece behind you, because we can only go as fast as the slowest of us. And so if we raise the ceiling, but also raise the floor. floor. Yep. So we're setting that floor as high as we can set it, but we're also raising the ceiling. There's no telling what we can accomplish. We can only do that if we help somebody else. We cannot do that if we're only focused on self. And that was one of the key takeaways from that first exercise is that you saw there were some people who got it right away, knew what they were doing. Maybe they'd done it before. Maybe they hadn't. Mm -hmm. But some people just recognize it first time they've done it, recognize the patterns. Patterns are something that some humans can recognize quicker than others. And when you do that, if you sit on that knowledge and you hold it to yourself, man, what a waste. Because if you give that thing away, guess mm. what? You're raising that floor. You're helping all of us get it as high as we can get. And that piece to me was the most impactful part of that first section right there. You do learn a lot about how it all gets organized but ultimately at the end of the day about helping the person beside you. Let's unpack that a little bit because I'm now <clears throat> remembering vividly because you all talked about this, that it was Darren Young that, that announced like that he wanted to win and, and, and kind of that certainly set Charlie off <laughs> yeah. into, into this, this learning exercise. But it was based on the fact that, and I, and I wanted to ask Travis for the bucket so I could put a coin in because tell me how I measure and I'll tell you how I behave, right? That right. we already established the rules are whoever is the lowest score sits down and the whole team has to sit down. So you should know that that's what the rules are gonna be moving forward. So why would you not share if that's how you're measured? Right. right. But again, our industry doesn't measure that way. We measure where it is better to keep the information to yourself and not share with others sometimes. 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 But there are other times where it is better to share. And I think that that's the nuance that like, the more we can understand and the more we can unpack, the better we can challenge when, when we're up against a wall or take advantage when we do have true opportunity. Sure, and, yeah. and if you look at it, like if you jump ahead all the way to the, to the last exercise where trust is the foundation, 
So if you're in this place where everybody that's at the table, that everybody's at the table, where all our trade partners, like here's another thing. I wish and I hope everybody who hears my voice on this podcast stops using the word subcontractor. Please. Amen. And thank Amen. You. The term is trade partner. Trade partner. And we want to leverage trade partners. We want to work with trade partners. We do not want to, this is, that it can't work the other way. So well, that language change needs to take place just as, a, as a, an entire entity. Because when you think of sub, root word, yeah. that takes you to subhuman, subservient, yeah. so on yeah. and so forth. Give me a word where you add sub and it makes something yeah. better. You're, Come on yeah, now. There is it literally no, means There's no respect. Yeah. Yeah. Under. Like, it means yeah. under. Yes. And so, like, there's nowhere that that's going to be. So let's elevate that. It's, a, it's an interesting point, though, because if you travel around like a lot of us do, it's an easy language thing to pick up on. I can tell you who I'm dealing with and what I'm about to get myself into when I ask people to kind of articulate the continuum and who's on it and what terms they use. It's interesting, man. I love I think that it's part it's a great descriptor, and I think it totally captures something that you guys – are, are hoping to change within construction, which is that old authoritarian model versus the collaborative model of construction. You know, we were just at an event where a whole bunch of competition contractors, we are in competition sure. with one another, are sharing ideas to lift everybody up. And we're realizing that the old authoritarian top-down uh, view of contracting hasn't hasn't given us the takeaways that the collaborative view does. You know, And I have the math to prove that. Cool. So yeah. at this point, I have the math to prove that. And this is why I get to that whole piece. Well, that trust, when a team is a trust-based team and you have that foundation, so we jump to the last exercise that Charlie did, and you come to this trust as your foundation where that exists, the scores, starts and finishes on the activities are dramatically higher, 30 points higher than on teams where that does not exist, where there's this adversarial, hey, I'm the GC, you're the subcontractor. No, we're trade partners. You're my trade partner. We're together. We're in this partnership together. Where that exists, our scores are higher. On average, they are 30 points higher. It's a tremendous difference. Tremendous difference. No more so live, baby. So. Oh, I mean, sometimes and if you, you, but. If you start to And if you start to look at, and we're gonna get into some of this, but if you start to look at some of the things that we learned today, things that Charlie holds very deeply and shared with all of us. When you start to look at some of those things like visual management and now we're using visual planning so that we have respect for the workers so they know when they go in exactly what they're going to do that day. In instances where that occurs, again, that same gain, that 30% gain is what we see in the difference. And I've got the math to prove it where it's a coin flip in our industry whether or not an activity is going to finish or start within the day it's planned. Well, and, and so I want to kind of spin it to you, Christina, there to, to, to talk about it for a second, because from your perspective, a lot of what you're doing is is in your own business is around this. Like that's yeah. that's where you're headed. So talk a little bit about how this plays into what you're doing every day and why you jumped on the I'm going to call us the Charlie bandwagon now. We're on the Charlie bandwagon. <laughs> He's the catalyst, right? Charlie's the catalyst. Yeah, uh, yeah it's such a great question because it's such a natural thing that I think we we're not paying attention to enough because there's not the data right like he was saying <laughs> is it's such a qualitative thing to say oh you need to trust the people you're gonna work with but it's really just so human <laughs> right and I think that when I 
think about high-performing teams, this is what I focus on is building high-performing teams. Yeah, talk a, before you go in there, talk a little bit about your company because okay. I don't think we let you do that earlier. And I want, yeah, I, I don't really think I know. said my last name. I don't, Hi, I don't think I'm you Christina did. I'm Christina Hankai. Welcome to podcasting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my bad. I told you, I just followed you into a room. And <laughs> she was literally, we found her on the street. We, were, we drew her in. She's off now. Oh, you want a drink? Want a podcast? <laughs> Come on in. All right, so it's called the Society for Built Experiences, and that's a lot but uh, so I shortened it to so built, right? And the idea is we all have these common experiences in the built environment. How do we leverage each other's learnings and how do we amplify each other, right? And beyond that, how do we build the future of construction that is more than just the daily grind? You know, I think many of us, we do focus on that daily grind. Many of us in our home lives or upbringing, it was strict or it was very much get work done, get shit done. That's just the motto. All of us in construction, I think it's what gravitated us. But it also destroys families mm. sometimes. Mm. And even, and that was my personal reason for, for quitting my main job and starting this new thing. I was just kind of like fed up with the bullshit, right? It was one day, can I, can I tell a, a little sad story? You can yes. tell it. <laughs> this brings in the human drama. Yeah. Right here. <laughs> Obsessed. Um, so I was what they called, quote, a high performer, right? And what that really means is that you become a bottleneck because everybody says, hey, give it to her, give it to her, give it to her. She does that great. And also, can you train a thousand people at the same time as you're delivering? So it was, it was really great, you know, super stressful, but it was the grind and I had grit and that's what I had pride in. Um, one day I was giving the report out on one of those calls and says, hey, what did you do? I, say all the things I accomplished and they're like amazing great praise 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 even though I had only slept like eight hours in the past four days so okay I'm getting all this praise but then I'm feeling this silent suffering and it's this silent suffering I think a lot of us feel but we don't talk about because we don't want to take up too much space we want to make sure that we're focusing on purpose we want to make sure that we are unified how do we think about the team and the project so I didn't say anything two days later I didn't know that this was gonna be the worst week of my life my husband didn't know because that's just how I grind that's just how I work so you get to the point where you don't call it suffering or pain you just call it work I don't know if you can relate to that yes. <laughs> and I woke I was in the middle of reading a bedtime story to my two-year-old son at the time a four-year-old and a two-year-old and in the middle of a sentence my body got sick and tired of trying to warn me and it just shut down completely and I woke up eight hours later did not finish the sentence did kids went to bed all this sort of things my husband just thought I fell asleep he didn't notice it and I woke up I tried to wash my hands with toothpaste I tried to brush my teeth with soap my brain was fucked. <laughs> I was wrecked. And two days ago, high performer, right? Star, let's give her more money. Let's give her more jobs, all this sort of things. And then that silent suffering is happening. So I decided I was gonna take a, you know, let me take two days, at least. <laughs> let's take two days to regroup. And when I told my bosses, they, they really wanted a good reason, um, essentially two days what are you gonna do for two days and it felt like a long time apparently mm -hmm. 
Um, and so it just dawned on me, hey, I am in a culture that is going to perpetuate this happening all the time behind doors. And one thing I learned is I don't want this to happen to anybody. I was 30 years old in a hospital. 30. What? Are you kidding me? And I was proud of the work I did. It was such a mind fuck. <laughs> and, and so I was like, you know, we got to change this. So I had a decision to make. I could leave construction, the industry I love, or I could stay and try to actually enact the change and that would stop hurting people and family and stop that silent suffering. And I think one of the, the main things we do that is we treat that human aspect, we build belonging, we give people a sense of purpose, and we build curiosity for their brains. So that's, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> wow. it, it, it nails on a couple of things that we have in the industry, and we have a problem with people leaving. Silently yeah. cruising out of here, some of the smartest people in the business Correct. leave the business silently because we do, I mean, grit and those things are great, mm -hmm. but there's balance and we just don't have it. Jonathan? I was going to say a lot of that is, you know, we, we, t we talked about that, the, the tell me how I'm measured, right? That very transactional view uh, of going to work. And that is the transactional view that a lot of us have, right? We go to work, tell me how I'm measured, that's how I'll react. You know, we're doing the numbers game, right? At the, at the tables, we're all looking at one another. And you start to find out really quick the people who that's not their nature. These are not transactional people. In fact, they'll probably break the rules to help other people in their team. I was, I was actually more impressed by the number of people I saw breaking the rules to help one another than anything else. And I think that's something that, you know, first, if you're not transactional at all, that's not good. So I'm not, I'm not saying don't be transactional. <laughs> what I'm saying is, you know, we do need, especially in this industry, to mitigate that transaction. For them, you are putting in all your work mm -hmm. and I'm paying you this money. Transactional. What do you mean? You put in all the work. If you don't, if you would like this money, you put in work. Always transactional. Always that that single transaction. And I think that is what hurts us. We need to be deeper than that. We need to understand. Okay, we want to build a building. Our transaction's not with you. It's with this building. That means you have to be healthy. You have to be, you know, all those things right. that I'm sure you look at. And and we need to have you on again because I also think, you know, I, I would love to meet more people. I'm a I'm a developer that are in UX that understand sympathy, compassion, and empathy, and understand how to, how to say, hey, we want to work this in to how we do work. I, I'm just, I, yeah, I, absolutely, because it's not all like soft stuff, right? And especially no. being like a female in construction, it's like, do I really want to talk about this or am I going to get labeled as like the softy? But really it's like, screw it, because I talked to so many men and like, maybe they won't talk about it publicly, but everyone has this problem because we that's just what happens and so how do we make it practical right so how do we look at the deliverables we're putting out like when i do my synchro modeling or 4d plans whose life am i making easier is the number one question is a high five moment oh, that's high a, five that felt like a high five <laughs> that, that was a high five because <laughs> that's what it's about oh yeah clink clink whiskey clink. crew yes. <laughs> yeah. but it, it has to be that it has to be that way and i mean it's it it, it has to be about impacting the lives of every person that's delivering work. And I think Charlie captured that today. I forget who, Tom, you, you've been through this a few times, so you probably know the person he was referring to who said, literally, this gave me my life back. That, that would be me. <laughs> oh, that was you. That was me. 
Okay. Wow. Okay. By the way, by the way, now this makes a ton more sense. So way more. So so I had an aha moment. Oh, probably 2009. Um, was on a project. Was a superintendent. Um, we had a. To- it was a far- fairly large project. We had about 450 guys showing up on the job on a daily basis. We were renovating um, seven buildings on a petrochem campus uh, all at one time. And within the span of a month, we lost our senior general superintendent, lost our general superintendent, and then our next most seasoned superintendent um, went out with a back injury. So we were down to uh, me, a guy that had just been promoted from being a carpenter foreman, and a, uh, an MEP superintendent. And we were, had seven buildings to run at that time. So I took four buildings. Um, I ended up being in seven standard or seven standing meetings a week. I was leading the BIM efforts on all the buildings I was doing as well. Um, I literally did not have time to firefight anymore. And I had come up from seeing the superintendents I worked around growing up, got to firefight, got to run around, got to do all this. And it kind of hit me when I don't have time to do all that. I'm now having to act as the general superintendent. I'm having to produce schedules. I'm having to meet with the safety professionals for Shell. And it got to where, okay, I can only provide value to, or where can I provide the most value is what I ended up coming to the conclusion on. And so, because I had so much work product I had to produce, and then I'd have trade partners coming to me. I'm like, sorry, don't have time for you. Being able to say no and saying, Hey, I'm empowering you to go figure it out yourself. I trust you. You've been around a while. You know what you're doing. Talk with this person if you still need some help, but I like what you're thinking. Go with it. But that is what gave me my life back because understanding that I didn't have to firefight anymore. I mean, now I work pretty much standard nine hour day. We're doing four tens on my current project. I might work the weekend because we got to shut down or something like that. But by making sure I'm providing the most value for the time that I'm going to allow every day gave me my life back. That's awesome. That was the story we wanted to capture. We got one each from each of you. Uh, can, can I hit just one thing that I, I thought I would, that was my takeaway from this? So you just did a lean exercise and the one thing that, that I thought, well, not one thing, I obviously thought this was wonderful, there are a bunch of takeaways. But this was one of the things, you know, in lean we talk about value-added events all the time, value-added, value-added. And it's almost always material value-added. I think you did a great value-added for the employee. Like you, you set up a situation in which we have a value-added event for employees so that we can go and we can add value to this most important resource. Because at the end of the day, the shops, I mean, I have seen robot shops. They're wonderful. I love them. They're beautiful. There is still a person somewhere that, that is, is that resource that makes all of this work. And you guys are out there putting on a show, showing people how to add value to that most important resource. It, it, was, it was wonderful. Can I tell you one of my favorite superintendent stories? As I just stare at you, as I love superintendents, not to make it awk. Um, <laughs> it's it was a seven-year-old totes awk. <laughs> totes awk. <Oc>. No. <laughs> but there was this one superintendent. He was seventy years old, working on the job. He loved it, obviously, because he didn't have to stay there. And management told him, "Hey, you're going to need to digitize every single thing you do to make project controls life easier." because and and I was project controls at that moment and I thought that was one of the most divisive rudest antitrust type of things that you can do but the best thing about me and Carl 
is that I taught him Excel. I taught him two points, right? Open, type your manpower loading, save it. I got you, Carl. I'm going to set up what's in the plan. I'm going to set up all the sort of things, what's expected. You tweak it if it's wrong, right? And like that built so much trust between us. He bought me this little shirt and he said, thank you for teaching me to fish. And I still have the post-it note. It's misspelled, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. And he sp I went up to him later. He's there smoking his cigar. And he's like, you know, I didn't think I could even do that. I mean, I, I, why, I, I don't even use the computer. I didn't think I could do that. So thank you for believing in me. And that was my catalyst. Carl. So, and I think about him all the time. Carl. It's funny. <laughs> so I've been interviewing people for a long time. Uh, and almost everybody has a Carl, uh, you know, um, in their story box, right? Mm -hmm. That, especially the ones making a difference, like you guys here making a difference during all this has that, like, I met this person or I met that person, you know, I have mine. We, we all have that. So it's kind of neat to have that story. Now we can't let this one go and finish. If we don't spin back to gray here, who got to play a very interesting role. <laughs> Something that may never happen again, although it should. Um, so in the final exercise, I'll set this up. Um, there's a lot about, you know, the 90% of things that we could be doing versus construction being the 10%. And we continue to take up that early time and not work together and and it's early compression versus late compression and we're constantly pushing construction down and and making it harder on the field i mean it, ultimately it makes it da more dangerous trade stacking all the things that that can that can cause but and not completely their fault but you got to play kylo ren <laughs> can you tell me a little bit about the character outside of Kylo Ren that you were playing today, Gray? Yeah, so uh, the Charlie is uh, is the ultimate innovator. So Charlie is a uh, an Enneagram Type Four, if ever there was one. That's the creative. Mm. And yep. so if ever there was one, that is Charlie Dunn. And uh, futurist as well. A futurist, yeah. So uh, so Charlie says, "Hey." Um, you know that thing we're doing I, I really i know you got this robe this black cape we need a black cape architect for the thing you think you could be the black cape architect for for this thing and i said well yeah because anybody who knows charlie also knows that he's a disney fanatic and uh, knows everything there is to know about the disney theme parks how to get to them how to get around in them and so back in 2019 at a conference i had bought this this robe, the Sith robe from the Star Wars store there uh, to give to my son along with some other stuff there and uh, so Charlie remembered that and then called it up for this event hey could I borrow that and he says well I have that and we, he has the whole costume he goes would you wear the whole costume <laughs> I was like yeah I'll do the whole costume <laughs> so uh, he goes alright so you work with Jeff Jeff is going to be your specifier so Jeff has all the all the, the specifications and everything. And Jeff is gonna wanna help because the catalyst for this is there was a story about um, a specifier who wanted to help out and give help to the project, but the architect literally forbade them from speaking to the rest of the team and helping them out. Mm -hmm. And so he goes, I wanna act that out in this, in this, in this exercise. 
And so that was a lot of fun. Um, and so the first thing you learn if you're going to be Charlie's Charlie's friend is he's going to ask you to do some stuff. You just got to go with it, man. <laughs> <laughs> got to go with it. Yep. And uh, so you don't ask. Nope. You know, you just go, yep, I'll be there. Tell me when to show up. And then uh, the cool thing about it was today, whenever immediately Jeff wants to help the project team, he wants to help solve this problem where it's holding up all the people. He wants to help solve the problem. And uh, the Black Ape architect's role is to uh, shut him down. And of course, you know, it's Kylo Ren, so it's a force joke. And uh, uh, Jeff, Jeff, the way the acting was Jeff, awesome. Jeff, Jeff, Fantastic. You guys who've watched Star Wars, this is Admiral Ozzel times 1,000. For those of you who are real dorks, you're going to get that, that that joke right there. This is Admiral Ozzel times 10,000. I mean, he backs up across the room. He fell into choked, a chair. Yep. Force choked away. It was perfect. Yes. Uh, that was awesome. It was fun to play that role because I had seen the specifier role before in that. In that. So when he said, you're going to force choke, he he's going to force choke you out. I was like, this is, we got to go full. Like we're just <laughs> we're going, yeah. we are, we are diving. Hey, all we in. were groundlings right there. It was literally groundlings. <laughs> yeah. So yep. yeah, that was a lot of fun, a lot of fun to do. And, uh, again, you learn something every time. And so Charlie inevitably used the visual of seeing everybody up there on the stage and seeing the construction box with 40 people scattered around it and seeing the start milestone, keep moving. And keep moving all those people and there's only one person over here beside all this other stuff the designer is over here up by this other stuff the architect like what are we doing you know like all our resources are all back over here chomping at the bit to get going but we keep pushing away pushing away so again just another great visual you know charlie charlie teaches full of them today nathan me yeah, I, I mean, closing thoughts. I mean, the, the the one thing I think we didn't talk about was the the waste aspect of it. You know, I think Charlie does a good mm. job of bringing in. You know, I mean, you mentioned grit earlier, and I'm in the middle of reading grit. And what one of the things that Angela talks about is you know is is what you do for work, a job, a career, or a calling. Mm. And I think so much of what Charlie does is he reminds us all why we're in this business, why we're in construction, because it it is a calling. We all have that kind of shared purpose, but. We should also have that shared frustration around just all of the waste that, that we generate. And the more we can bring visibility, bring awareness to it, uh, the, the, the better you know, we'll, we'll be able to solve it. Yeah. yeah, having every fourth person's work product trashed yeah. uh, <laughs> it was, was pretty, pretty brought it home to a lot of people. Like, we worked hard on that, and to see it trashed, you know, really, you can feel it in the pit of your stomach. Mm -hmm. Like, man, that hurts. I, I saw someone move positions. Oh yeah, yeah. Like so, literally, like, I watched they didn't people want start, to be jockeying, trash. start <laughs> jockeying for positions because again, they knew how they were being measured now. Yep. And they saw it happen after the first couple of times, and you saw people jockeying for position in the line uh, to turn in their work because they did not want to see their work get trashed. I was right. going to tell you, I was sitting by the tables as they came back, and, and the one was like, he walks up to the table, and they go, "Did you have? You had to dump it, didn't you?" And you could see all four of them. And the other ones were like, woohoo! We did I was like, that is exactly and, that tangible, like, Yeah, and touch. for the listener at home, the statistic is for every three buildings we build, we throw another one in the trash. That's the waste yep. that happens. For every three buildings we build, there's enough waste that we throw an entire building in the trash. 
And so that was the point behind that exercise and why of the work product that people turned in today, every fourth one got, got trashed to really drive home that message. That's why we as an industry have to adopt, again, building it virtually first so we can work out the bugs and the issues before we go build it physically. Virtual mock-ups instead of physical mock-ups because they're easier for us to change and make changes to, a lot easier to manage, a lot easier on our superintendent and craft teams to get the stuff there. But then the flip side, so we can prefab as much as we can and eliminate that waste. If you're gonna build, first, the optimal time is not to do it in the air. Build as much of it as you can while you're away from the site. Then if you have to, build it on the ground. And then if you have to go up in the air, put it on a platform so that there's a stable work environment for the worker. We start to think along those lines and just apply that to everything that we do. You eliminate waste, you eliminate issues. And if you ever get an email from me, you're gonna see my tagline. It's been the same tagline since I've worked here 1,718 days ago which is fighting waste and variance. The two enemies, whether you know them or not, the two enemies of every construction project, waste and variance. And if you can fight those two things and know that's the battle, it's not against the mechanical, it's not against the electrical, it's not against even the, the black cape architect, my two enemies are waste and variance. And those are the two I gotta fight every day. And you got to put those forward. You got to because I've been on I've been on job sites even a decade ago where if you have ductile iron, you have cast iron on your job site. That's pretty heavy. Yep. So if it comes out to the job site, it's staying there, whether I have to dig a hole. Yep. And put it in a hole or not. Yep. Most recyclable thing in the world, and I've seen it buried on several job sites. And we've gone to job sites. The second we dig in, you know what we get? All the cast iron pipe sure. that they buried, and it's not an underground from something, man. It's literally, they had a pile of pipes that was too heavy. And I don't want to pay my restocking fee. They want to pay for it to transport it. How many shops out there, guys, can you go to your shop, you go back to that area, and you have all the stuff that came off a job site that's never going to get used. So at the very least, start hating that. Start encouraging your PMs to go back there, grab those materials, make them part of the next job. Yep. You know, maybe we can convince some of those architects to start, let us use things twice once in a while. Yeah. But we got to have that mentality, that culture like you guys were building of waste can't be permitted to, to, to move forward waste and variance and with that i want to thank all of you for what you did today for sitting down great for bringing us here and hosting us at tom's well at the dpr office we appreciate it this is another episode of the construction dorks and we're going to call this one the anti-keynote thanks to charlie <laughs> is this the anti-podcast it's the anti-cast the anti-cast <laughs> anti this is the anti-cast right. and that's the dork signing out